What is up, wrestling fans? Welcome to another pay-per-view point edition of the Smartout Moment Smack Talk podcast. It is time to talk about AEW Wrestle Dream 2023, in case they do another one of them next year. And, you know, you can't read that this is the 2023 edition of it. I'm your host, as always, Tony Mango, flying solo edition on this edition, not because Rob and Callum don't want to be here. I actually told them to set this one out. I actually want this to be a rather quick podcast, more so than normal. To be perfectly honest, I'm not feeling particularly great right now i'm you know having some some uh some breathing issues at the moment so i don't want to be talking for an hour and uh you know kind of exasperating all that stuff and on top of that honestly i don't have a lot to say about some of the matches that are on here not at all surprising considering it's an aw pay-per-view and that tends to be the case you're gonna hear a lot of this was good and not really a lot of other specifics about a lot of these things too so I'm sure if Robin Callum were on here, they would be able to um, elaborate more on some different other specifics. I'm going to try to get them to get their opinions out there on maybe another uh, future podcast, maybe the hot tags or something. Um, I'm sure that they loved it just as much, if not more than I did. And I hope that you did too. So I am hoping that you drop your thoughts in the comments on the live chat right now, if you're listening to it after the fact then I hope you are listening, uh, not listening to it. I hope you are leaving your comments on there. Obviously, if you are listening elsewhere from YouTube, then leave your comments on Facebook or Twitter or the page on smartgutmoment.com or something. But if you are uh, on YouTube, then make sure that you are subscribed to the YouTube channel. Make sure you hit that little like button. Make sure that you help us out on the monetary side of things in whatever way you can through the thanks button and the join button. It's the same thing as the Patreon. I've explained this a million different times. If you're brand new to the podcast, uh, this information might be new to you. But if you're not, then I'm sure you're sick and tired of hearing me say it. But, uh, you know, the Patreon and the YouTube channel membership have the Dark Cast tiers, the Pick Your Poison tiers and all that. They're all on par with each other. No different prices and all that. Redbubble and Public, where you can pick up some merchandise as well, if you're interested in that. And I think I'm done with the plugs <laughs> on that end, at least. We'll you know come back around to this later on. So um, let's get things started with that zero hour pre-show. Uh, why, are they, why are these an hour and a half now at this point? So the zero hour and a half, 90 minutes of a pre-show instead. You have to have a half hour to run down the card and then an hour's worth of just extra matches. So why not just call it the zero well, I mean, I guess you could call it the zero hour if it's only half hour, but the pre-show should only be a half hour. The rest of it should just be the show at this point. We know that basically if it's an AEW pay-per-view, it's basically going to start at 630 now and it's going to end at midnight. So for anybody that complains about WrestleMania being too long, AEW does eight WrestleManias a year. <laughs> uh, and, you know, on top of that, the ROH pay-per-views too. So keep that in mind. But there were four matches on the zero hour this time around. Uh, actually, before any of that comes uh, came into play, there was a little tribute to Antonio Inoki. Tony Khan was out there with a few of uh, Inoki's family members and uh, Katsuyori Shibata and you know, some representatives from New Japan Pro Wrestling and all. By the way, he didn't say anything that I came across that you know explained what this new era is supposed to be. I don't remember hearing anything like the HBO Max announcement or 
that they are doing anything else going on. So I don't know. I think we're getting into a little bit of Dixie Carter territory here where every show is the biggest show that's ever existed. And every, you know, episode of TV is a game changer and every new signing is the thing. That's the biggest thing in the history of pro wrestling and all. I, um, yeah, I'm sure some people are going to be like, Oh, it doesn't really matter. It's, it is a new era because of what happened at the end of this and whatever. We'll come back around to that a little bit later on. Um, but the four matches on the pre-show were as follows for anybody that's want the, uh, the quick hits of the results, uh, Satoshi Kojima, Keith Lee, Athena, and Billy Starks defeated Shane Taylor promotions, Diamante and Mercedes Martinez. Claudio Castagnoli defeated Josh Barnett. Luchasaurus defeated Nick Wayne and the acclaimed and daddy ass retained the AEW world trios championships over TMDK. Now I watched all these matches. Of course I um, thought that they were kind of just sort of there for the most part. Uh, the Claudio and Josh Barnett match I thought was the best one out of this. And I thought that part of the reason why that was, better was John Moxley on commentary. He was able to provide more context for this and provide more stories. So I liked that uh, aspect of that quite a bit. Um, I liked Max Caster's rap at the beginning of the trios championship match. That was a good one. And I really kind of just feel like this was another one of those hours that I've said a million different times before where not every event needs to be six hours long. And in the grand scheme, I don't think that we needed to see any of these matches on this card when you've got two hours of collision an hour of rampage and two hours of dynamite that you could have done a lot of these things. So yeah, not the biggest, biggest fan of that. The first match of the night for the main card was MJF successfully retaining the ROH world tag team championships in a handicap match against the righteous. Big fan of this MJF babyface character. I really like how he has fun with selling moves and having, you know, the pre-match promo where he uh, was basically like, oh, for Dutch, I'm going to body slam you as if that's like, you know, his signature move or uh, anything in particular that like, you know, would stand out in today's modern wrestling or whatever. So for what it was worth, I thought it was a good enough segment. It still bugs me that MJF isn't defending the world title because that is supposed to be the biggest, most important title over the course of, you know, not just AEW, but also Ring of Honor for that matter. And I'm not thinking that this is just a thing now where it's, you know, do the ROH world tag title match instead or something. So I still think it's a disappointment that the righteous was fighting MJF here. Still think he should have had something better, but I liked the match for what it was worth. So your mileage may vary on if that means that I should just be like, okay, two thumbs up gung ho about it. Or if it's justified to say, well, in and of itself in a bubble, it's fine. But in the grand scheme, disappointing. I actually missed the entirety of the next match. Eddie Kingston against Katsuyori Shibata. Kingston retained the ROH world title and the New Japan Pro Wrestling Strong Openweight Championship. So to be perfectly honest, obviously, if I didn't see... 95% of it. I can't really judge any of it, but from all accounts, it seems like it was a good match. And I'm sure the people that were interested in this match going into it most likely got exactly what they were hoping for out of that. So I don't know. Let me know if there's anything that stood out as something 
problematic or something that's what's super special about it or uh, you know anything along those lines um i'm glad the kingston retained that was the outcome i was hoping for they kept mentioning a lot about the idea of shibata becoming a new different type of triple crown champion and i wasn't super into the idea of kingston losing these belts so fast after winning them so thumbs up on that end at the very least I will say, though, uh, Chris Statlander versus Julia Hart. Uh, Statlander retained the AEW TBS championship. That match I did get to see all of, and I enjoyed it. I will say that I'm wrong as well when it comes to Julia Hart, because I had been saying for the longest time that I think that I enjoyed the like cheerleader gimmick that she had going on with the Varsity Blondes, and I wasn't the biggest fan of her transitioning to the House of Black, but now that she's gotten more comfortable and everything. And she had this performance among other things and all. I'm pretty confident in saying that I was just wrong about that. So hats off to Julia Hart for a great performance. Chris Statlander did a great job together. They ended up having a really good match and I'm glad that Statlander retained, but I think that Julia Hart looked really strong here too. So um, as far as like specifics about a lot of these things, uh, I don't have too many notes on um you know in these matches that i had just been talking about i mentioned a little bit about like the body slam thing and all but um you know stars like uh you know a, a really nice moon salt from julia hart and uh the uh match ended with um statlander having done two uh tombstone pile drivers one of them like the package pile driver that she does so you know i mean i covered some notes here and there like for that but Nothing too much of a standout uh, as far as like, you know, specifics on that end. Then we had the four way to determine the next number one contenders for the AEW World Tag Team Championship. What's up, Ted E in the uh, live chat? Uh, we had the Young Bucks going over the Guns, the Lucha Brothers, Orange Cassidy, and Hook. Really was a big fan of Hook's uh, series of suplex reversals in this match from a little segment with Matt Jackson. I like that sequence quite a bit. And it was really just, you know, I mean, you put these teams together. These are a bunch of talented guys. And I, I've said it a million times before. I'll say it a million times again, I'm sure. If you get a bunch of people that are talented together in the ring and you let them do their thing, they end up having a good match. And this was a series of good moves from one person to the next. And just sort of, I think it was about like maybe 20 minutes long or so, or uh, something along those lines, you know, 15 plus. It was just fun from bell to bell. So definitely worth checking out if you didn't see it. And uh, the Bucks got the win. Uh, Penta took the pin here after BTE trigger. So I don't know if I'd necessarily go in that direction. But then again, when we saw what happened with the world titles uh, after this, then I guess they pretty much had an obvious thing that they were planning on doing. So no, you're not going to hear me complain about it in that regard even though there was a part of me that just wanted Orange Cassidy and Hook to win because I'm always going to be a little bit more of a favoritism edge toward the toward Orange Cassidy. So uh, let's see. Adam Page against Swerve Strickland was next, and the crowd was leaning more towards Swerve. They had some hangman chats and everything, or I guess technically some cowboy shit chants more than anything else, but they were leaning a little bit more towards Swerve, and... I think that the right decision was made here. They had a really good match. Um, this was one of my more favorite matches of the night, to be honest. 
and they did a good job of having both of them look strong, but then eventually having a situation where uh, Hangman Adam Page went for his, I believe it was his second attempt at a buckshot lariat. He hit one of them earlier, I'm pretty sure. Um, yeah, it was just the one of them that I can remember where he had had his arm worked on, so he didn't capitalize on the pin quickly enough. By the time he goes for the second one, uh, Swerve is able to hit him with Prince Nana's crown and get a two count, and then eventually hit the JL, JM, JML, blah, I can talk, driver, and get the win. Um, Swerve was somebody who is not as high up on the totem pole as Paige. Paige already had been world champion, so it makes sense for Swerve to win this and for Paige to take a little bit of a hit from it to be able to bump Swerve up. So not only did it get the crowd to pop because Swerve is from the area, but it was also the right move for the feud. And now that they had it's a really good match, I'm excited to see what happens going forward after that. So, you know, thumbs up all around when it comes to that. Thumbs up as well for the next match. Wheeler Yuta against Ricky Starks. I uh, mostly had some notes about things like um, you know, the pyro and the lighting for Starks. Seemed like it was a step up from normal. Or uh, the powerbomb that Starks did. Well, I don't know how he landed on its own neck. That, that doesn't seem like that makes a whole lot of sense. But you got to be careful, man. You know, you don't want to get yourself injured doing, you know, doing anything. But let alone doing a move to somebody else. But... This was another good match. Again, I, I like Starks. I like Yuta. So, hey, I'm not too shocked that they had a good match together. Again, two good wrestlers in a match had a good match. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> I do think that um, the future story is going to be, of course, Ricky Starks against Claudio Castagnoli coming out of this and not just, you know, a series of like five matches with Wheeler Yuta or anything, but um starks is in a better position than yuda so it makes more sense for him to win this match anyway and you know i'm down to see of course starks against claudio because well i'm a big fan of those two as well so <laughs> hey uh what should i complain about that for right ashen's in the chat now happy to see you. i just didn't get the pay-per-view just saw it on instagram uh we will be of course talking about him at the very end here um, I was surprised though that the next match on this card. Now I was already surprised that they went from Hangman Page uh, and Swerve to Ricky Starks and Wheeler Yuta because I was like, oh, you're not gonna put one of those tag team matches to kind of you know singles tag, singles tag, that kind of thing. And then they went with another singles one, Brian Danielson against Zack Saber Jr. The match that I assumed was going to be the main event for this all the way up until the fact that they announced that the TNT title was going to be. I didn't write a single note down for this match because the only thing I needed to write down was that this was great. It, it's on my match of the year list as one of the potential options for that. Go and check it out. If you didn't see it, Danielson and Zack Sabre Jr. had pretty much exactly the type of match that I would have anticipated that they would have. They are in that dream match category thing for a reason. This is going to be a match that people study in a lot of ways I don't know for sure if I'm going to end up calling it my actual match of the year, but it's certainly up there. And, you know, mat wrestling and technical wrestling and all the rehearsals and everything, sometimes that is the best match of the year. Sometimes it's, you know, a hardcore brawl. Sometimes it's a mix of the two. Your taste 
obviously are going to lean one way towards another or whatever like that. I like a little bit of a variety. And even though to me, the best pro wrestler in the history of pro wrestling is Shawn Michaels. And he doesn't just wrestle, you know, say like a hardcore style. I love me some, some hardcore matches. So, uh, at least when it comes to technical wrestling, I don't know if you get much better than this. Daniel Sin and Zack Sabre Jr. put on a fucking clinic. They did a great job. Definitely check it out. It's a fantastic match. Daniel Sin comes out of this, the victor, as he should. Not only was he, you know, the guy from the area, from Aberdeen, Washington. They're not in Aberdeen, but, you know, close enough. But also, it makes him look stronger in his, uh, you know, eventual match against Kazuchika Okada. Still thinking that that's going to happen at Wrestle Kingdom. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. But I think that Okada's going to win that one. Uh, let's see. Next was the trios uh, championship or not trios championship. The trios match, no championship on the line here. Chris Jericho, Kenny Omega, and Kota Ibushi coming up short against the Don Callis family, Sammy Guevara, Will Ospreay, and Konosuke Takeshita. Great match. Definitely one to go back and check out if you didn't see it. I think actually the standout person in this match and some people might disagree with me on this. Maybe I am just kind of more of a fan of him than some other people are. But I think Sammy Guevara was really the one gluing this together. Kota Bushi didn't do all that much in the match. I don't know if there was a particular reason for that. But Guevara was in there, I think, primarily with um, Jericho and Omega as the, the two main uh, oppositions. Like, you know, Jericho and Guevara, Jericho, uh, Omega and Guevara. And then we had Osprey and we had you know, Takeshita and they, you know, everybody did something in the match. It's not like they were just like sitting on the sidelines, but I think that Ibushi probably did the least out of everybody that was on here. And maybe there's a reason for that. Maybe it was just a matter of them trying to keep him as like the special hot tag or something. But I dug this match a lot. I thought it was great. I, uh, I liked the ending a lot as well. I had said before that I thought that Sammy should pin Jericho to kind of get that feud going and everything. But I liked how they did it on top of that. They had Will Ospreay and Konosuke Takeshita holding back Kenny Omega and Kota Ibushi. You had Don Callis go out and hit Chris Jericho with the bat. So that keeps the heat on the Don Callis family in a good way. Guevara is able to say that he pinned Jericho, but we all know that it's, you know, there's some shenanigans involved. Great match. Not to repeat myself, but two thumbs up. <laughs> and one of the highlights of the night for me, for sure. Um, I am not as high on FTR versus Aussie Open as I'm sure some other people are going to be. To me, the, the way that I phrase this is something that I've been, I've been phrasing it a lot lately. Um, and I think that this is just going to be an analogy going forward. If you take this match and you put it on the card for WrestleMania 2, it blows everything out of the water. But on a card like this, where we just got the trios match and we just got some of these other matches like Zack Sabre Jr. and Dan Brian Danielson, it was fine. It's not like it was a bad match by any means. It was a good match. But, you know, I mean, when you eat like some of the best food that you've ever had and then you eat something that's just OK, then suddenly that doesn't quite seem like you should be ranting and raving about it. as all well that much. And. I thought that this was kind of a lackluster thing to begin with going into this. I know that a lot of other people would have made the argument that Aussie Open had one of the best matches with FTR and, you know, hey, shut up. That was so good that, of course, we want to see this again and all that. But to me, I couldn't remember 
any matches from Aussie Open that really stood out to me. And I feel like this is kind of another one of those. They're a really fine, good enough tag team to have good matches with people. But so are two dozen other tag teams that I can name. You know, to me, there's nothing that makes Aussie Open on par or better than the Street Profits. Or I mentioned before, uh, you know, Joaquin Wilde and Cruz del Toro or, uh, you know, the Usos, you know, there are so many other great tag teams on here. So got to have something a little bit extra special for me to really keep going. Wow. And, um, yeah, this was fine. It wasn't a wow match. FTR retains. So that means that we're going to get FTR versus young bucks again, going forward, which who's going to complain about that really, you know? And, uh, our main event, was the two out of three falls match for the TNT championship, Christian cage defending against Darby Allen. And the first fall went to Darby Allen for a roll up where Christian's shirt got, you know, caught up in his face and everything. So that was kind of a funny little spot. Second fall went to Christian for a count out. The setup for this was gnarly. Um, They had the steel steps, set up you know ringside and i don't know what the plan necessarily was at first it seems like christian was going to be throwing darby um i'm blanking on the name of the move uh kind of you know the falcon arrow essentially but without the fallout situation uh it seems like that was the plan was that he was going to basically suplex him from the inside the ring out onto the steps and i don't know if he lost his grip or if he got a little nervous of like, Oh wait, you're not in a safe position or something, but he ended up not doing that. Then he did it on the outside, but closer, you know, on the ground, not off the apron, but then he did it like two more times and whatever. And all these different attempts just kept slamming Darby under these steps. They all seemed like they were recklessly dangerous. And we've said this before about Darby Allen, but you got to stop trying to end your career early, man. Eventually, one of these things is going to catch up to you and you're going to end up like breaking your neck or something. And then what? Right. I appreciate when people do moves that are really like, you know, going out like I've said before, you know, Mick Foley's one of my favorites. And it's like, you know, one of the best moments in wrestling history in my mind is King of the Ring. But, you know, you don't have to do <laughs> these things. And I don't know if it's a matter of Christian was not able to really get him up in a safer way and that they just kept doing it to kept trying that move or if that was just too awkward of a thing to do to begin with or whatever. Let's see what's happening in the chat here. It seems like they're talking about that. Uh, Marco saying Christian cannot lift Darby properly. Like he's a 120 pound man. Come on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> scary. Uh, one of the many scary moves throughout this night. And that led to a count out which then led to some more fun stuff. Christian did a frog splash onto Darby, who was on the stretcher at the time. They had a nice little bounce going on for that. I thought that was fun. And then he exposed the wood from the ring, took off the canvas, took off the padding. So we got the wood, which we all know hurts significantly more. And we had a whole series of maneuvers there, a kill switch, scorpion death drop, coffin drop, sunset flip power bomb, etc. That led to Christian inadvertently spearing the referee and this is where one of the most fun parts of this match took place nick wayne came out and snatched the tnt championship belt away from christian he was going to use that to try to hit darby 
And immediately I was thinking to myself, oh, he's going to hit Darby. <laughs> so he goes ahead and he hits Darby, nails him with the belt. Christian gets the third fall, retains the title. And the pay-per-view keeps going because everybody's naturally going, well, where's Edge? Because clearly you're going to have Edge here. And I had written down at this, okay, so I'm assuming now that we've got Nick Wayne is on the heel side, we need to have Sting come out and then Luchasaurus, then Edge. Well, Sting came out and then it became Luchasaurus. And then the three-on-one was too much, uh, too much for him. So the lights go out. Our feature presentation pops up on the screen, which I thought was pretty interesting. And it shows somebody driving a car. I don't know why they did necessarily the the car thing, but a different version of you think you know me hits. And then the normal version of Metalingus. So he's able to keep the Metalingus song. He's able to keep you think you know me. It's just not the same recording. You know, it's not a woman saying it like the same one that we've heard a million times uh, from WWE. Seems like he is going by Adam Copeland, not Edge. But they are able to call him the Rated R Superstar, or if you were Taz, the Rated R Superstar, because he said that. And he teases that he's going to hit Sting with a concerto, but he takes out the heels instead. So we did get our big moment. Adam Copeland is an AEW. I think it's the right fit for him at this point, because who else was he really supposed to do anything with in WWE? I still want him to eventually, like, and his career in WWE to me, I'm a traditionalist in the sense that I wish that the Hardy boys would go back to WWE and end their career there. I wish that, you know, edge and Christian would do that. And they should have just kept Christian, maybe gotten him, uh, cleared by whoever the doctors were that cleared edge originally. Cause wasn't that long after we had seen the Randy Orton thing with Christian that we saw Christian in AEW. So I don't know The WWE doesn't seem to be really wanting to keep these guys and pay them a decent rate. Tony Khan is, I don't blame them for going to AEW and they can work with a whole lot of other talent. Edge is going to have some fun feuds with, you know, being pro Darby Allen, maybe feuding with Darby Allen down the line. We've got, you know, we've talked about it before edge against you name it. He can team with FTR. We know that he's close with them. So we're going to get Edge Kenny Omega at some point. We're going to get Edge and Sting maybe together at some point. That'd be fun. And all sorts of different other things. Edge being here. I'm going to just keep calling him Edge because it's simpler. Him being in AEW, I think, is positive for the AEW roster and for him. And I really want to see him and Christian do something together more than even this. You know, tag against each other, face each other in a match. I wouldn't be opposed to Adam Copeland being the TNT champion. I don't think it's necessarily needed, but I wouldn't be opposed to it. I'll say that. So Darby doesn't win the title and it didn't go down the way that I expected it to. As far as I thought that Copeland was going to interfere and, you know, cost Christian the title. So it's actually kind of better in my mind. I liked Christian as the TNT champion. We don't have to get rid of that to be able to have, the edge thing. So cool. Win-win, right? Um, that's it for the pay-per-view. Uh, as I said, I'm trying to, you know, speed run this a little bit, but, uh, I'm sure Robin Callum will be able to dive deeper into some of these, uh, topics on a future recording with me, uh, or even on their own, if they want to do something separate. And we will talk more about the future of where this whole situation with Edge is going to, you know, turn around to and, 
you know, some implications of you know, future championship matches and everything. You know, when do we think that the Young Bucks versus FTR is going to happen again? Uh, maybe the anniversary show of AEW that's coming up pretty soon, I think, right? Or maybe it's going to be just full gear where they do that. I don't think they're going to wait until winter is coming. I'll say that, uh, but maybe they do. I don't know. In any fashion, this was a good pay-per-view. NXT No Mercy was a good pay-per-view. Go back and check that out if you want to hear my thoughts on that event. And I don't know if there's anything else to talk about, but of course, if you guys uh, do have any other points you want to bring up, then leave them in the comments below. Well, yeah, leave a comment in response. But make sure that you are following not only Smart Gal Moment, but fanboysanonymous.com for everything that's happening over on the blue brand. And make sure that you are following the link tree that you can find at anthonymango.com or amangotree.com. You'll see links to all the Smart Gal Moment stuff, all the Fanboys Anonymous stuff, and my personal stuff at Tony Mango. And that's it for Russell Dream. Continuing on next week, we have even more pay-per-view point content coming your way with the Fastlane predictions and then eventually the post-show for Fastlane and another round of the hot tags and maybe something else um you know i mean i know that we have a pick of poison in the works now from guest five of watching the uh impact 1000 shows so i'm gonna have to try to figure out a time to record that i know that that's something i want to get out there as soon as possible because it's already aired and everything but i'm gonna try to do that at some point this week so you'll see that when it's up you'll see all the other stuff when it's up stay tuned to smartcomoma.com You'll see whatever it is when it's there. But thank you for joining me for this. Thank you for being in the live chat or listening after the fact or any of these other kind of means. Thank you for your support as always. And I will see you next time. This has been another Smart Out Moment. And I'm being counted out. <laughs>